Welcome to Waiting for Review, a show that follows the journeys of two independent iOS developers. I'm Dave Knott, an iOS developer from Devon, England. And I'm Dave Wood, an iOS developer from Leicester, England. Join us as we discuss the development, code and technology of our independent journeys. Uh, yeah, so I've written some, oh, not written some notes, I've written a few notes of my own for this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I printed out that transcript that TechCrunch posted, <laughs> <laughs> about 16 wow. pages of A4. <laughs> I've not been through it in that depth, I've been reading other people's articles. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've probably taken the sensible approach in that regard, <laughs> because, um, yeah, I've just gone through and highlighted sort of talking points, really. Um Yeah sort of sifting tea leaves after a point as well um yeah and so much of what was said was such like stock canned answers that you just knew they were going to say um but then yeah they have to say it don't they they do and i just i i kind of get this impression that they've probably had to um rehearse and have a lot of preparation in terms of like you know this is a pr outreach this is how you're supposed to speak yeah. And all of that, which I, I know they're fully trained in and do anyway as part of the job. Um, but I do feel like this being the first for Apple in terms of you know, recent history where they've actually reached out and proactively sort of said, this is something we're working on in advance. Um, yeah, I think they were very, very careful. It's, um, it's quite amazing that they actually did it. Yeah. I think, I think the fact that they did it is it speaks way louder than what they actually spoke about. Yeah. The uh, action itself, um and just the means the means of it sort of happening as well. You know, I mean the first thing I saw about it all was people tweeting about it and the blog posts going up. Um, yeah, what was it? I was I think I was in like day two or three of my holiday in Spain. Um yeah. and you slacked me and i i think you know you know when slack kind of interprets links and gives you a rich preview it said something like uh, the mac pro lives because i think it was daring fireball <laughs> you linked me to um yep you know what it's like when you're on holiday you kind of lose track of time you lose track of days i knew it was april and i, I just assumed it was an april fool's link <laughs> um, so I just thought, okay, well, I'll read it just because sometimes they are actually quite funny. These April Fool's posts, especially in the tech, yeah. sen- you know, the tech thing. Um, and I started reading it, and I thought, you know, Flipper Tech Group is doing a really good job here of pulling off a good April Fool's gag. It sounded really genuine. <laughs> and then I looked at, <laughs> I looked at my my um, my phone, and it, it was like April the fourth. I was like, oh, holy crap! This is actually happening. <laughs> I can't believe it's it. really real. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. I, just relieved i suppose is the best the best reaction i could sum it up as Uh, i think yeah very similar for me um i mean i think that's probably one of the biggest things with with this news with the mac pro um is it confirms that apple's committed to the mac overall you know when you sort of start talking about okay we're developing a machine for maybe next year um, you know, we're doing this effort in the meantime. They're also, I mean, there's an, an, a note there that I've got after looking into this, that they're, they're talking about developing their own displays again. Yeah, that's going to be um, cool. It just feels like a bit of a recharge to the platform overall, really. 
Um, and I know, I know we've been talking this back and forth in the show already in previous episodes. You know, we, we have spoken about, okay, does it look like they're going to radically overhaul Mac OS? Does it look like they're going to be bringing out ARM-based machines? That sort of thing. Um, I think breaking it down, this news flies in the face of going ARM sort of anytime soon. Yeah, I would say so. I was reading the transcript um, just before we made a start, and I think the way um, it was it was written was that ARM was seen to be in more of a complementary role to Intel's roadmap. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think as I think Intel's probably here to stay at, at, at least on the on the pro level hardware yeah. for the foreseeable future. Um, but again, you know, Apple have done dual architecture before. We had universal apps for PowerPC and Intel. Um, doesn't preclude them sort of looking at ARM for things like you know the the, the MacBook, for example. Um, you know, it, it doesn't stop that sort of a move um but it does it does shoot down any dreams that i might have had of a sort of massively parallel arm core based mac pro cube (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'll uh i'll stop dreaming there yeah (laughs) um i think i think the reality of a modular mac pro that can take modern gpus i think that's a much better dream a much better thing to have um you know, I mean that that's that's going to give power enough to enable virtual reality to happen on the Mac as well, because um, that's quite constrained these days. You know, even with a, a top end MacBook Pro from last year, um, you're still not getting the level of power that you would get from sort of PC hardware for much less at the cost, for example. Um, I think VR development's pretty constrained on the Mac right now. So you seem you seem like you're really keen on VR. Just, I just in the way we've yeah. spoken before. Yeah, um, I think I think virtual reality is something that's going to open up a lot of different things over time. Um, I think mixed reality is going to be a, a bigger deal, sort of on the day to day basis. Um, when you say mix, you mean like AR. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, AR and then um, sort of context-driven kind of scenarios. For example, the watch kind of fits with a mixed reality overall as well, um, and that's that sort of um, convergence between your different devices as well. It's, it's also a part of the same piece. Um, but yeah, I think virtual reality. Um, and the technology around that is then going to sort of seek into augmenting reality. Um, and I think that eventually is going to be the sort of bigger deal overall. That's going to be the technology that, you know, everybody uses. I think AR has got a huge leg up in that we've all got sort of devices that are mostly capable in our pockets already yep. that can achieve some level of AR. Perhaps not, I don't, I, you know, some people have probably got master plans that current tech can't can't achieve um but no i think ar is is going to be really big i mean pokemon go is a great example of that yeah look at look at at what that caused um yeah and and that's not even that complicated an example in the scheme of things i mean the the way it works is has got a fair amount going on underneath but you know you're not talking 
full-on real-time over the top of everything you can see through the the camera. I mean, you can turn off the the camera view and just battle Pokemon in a cartoony view on your screen. It's, it's, it's you know the very, I'd say, quite a minimum um, augmented reality kind of example in a lot of ways. Um, I, th- I think you know, as, as things fill out, we're going to be talking about. Um, HoloLens type technology that you wear um, that gives you a view over the top of things. You know, you go around um, supermarkets, you go around um, landmarks and different locations, that sort of thing. You'll have overlays that you can tap into and see. Um, So I really do think that's going to be a big deal. And sort of bringing it back, I think, VR itself as well is, is similarly going to be a big deal and where a lot of this stuff really starts. Um, and it is starting today. Um, so it's good. It's good to see that the Mac is going to have hardware that can handle this end of things. Um, because I, I think that you're talking about a new field, a new technology, um, and at the moment, if you really want to get in there and do it, if you want to play with, you know, an Oculus Rift or a Vive, um, people are building PCs. They're building powerful PCs, and they're not looking at Macs. So longer term, there's a bit of an ecosystem thing there as well, you know, because that, that sets the message that says Apple's not nowhere in this field. Um, and by having Mac Pro hardware next year whenever we see this that can kind of facilitate that it also lays out a message that sort of says okay yeah apple is going to play in this area you can use a mac to do vr Um, and i think you know longer term that's going to be important when we start talking about things like developing environments for augmented reality devices as well you know Mm -hmm. you're going to want the development hardware that can support um sort of that end of things um, and like I say, it's an ecosystem thing. You're going to want to sort of be be present and there. You don't want, as Apple, you don't want people sort of going, all right, I'll just boot my Windows PC up to do this and then I will spin out the, the app version that then runs on whatever Apple's devices. You know, they're kind of going to want everything operating out of Xcode. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a point there. Um, so it- I, I think, think it's, it's that's part of the big deal for me but that sort of personal interest you know i I really really want to sort of see vr and ar take off i think it's going to be quite fun it would be nice to see the mac pro competing almost with the gaming rigs in a way yeah because it always feels like when it comes to gpus and apple i always kind of put the put the blinkers on and i don't get i try not to get too upset about it because really if you're buying even a a high-end imac the GPU you get in it is not really that good, is it? I mean, it's they're fine. I don't have a problem with yeah. mine day to day, and I, you know, I'm not really a big gamer. But if I were, that GPU would probably not be good enough. Um, you wouldn't be buying it for that. You would be building a Windows PC on the side if you were really you know, hardcore gamer. Yeah, but like it, and obviously, you know, I take the fact that if I'm choosing to buy an iMac or a Mac Pro, I'm I'm going to pay over the odds compared to yeah you know, buying a Windows PC, just in terms of parts. I know that, obviously, you've got the displays to factor in and, and, you know, the Apple ones, the 5K one and this iMac I'm looking at now. 
is gorgeous and i wouldn't trade it for anything um yeah and you know the, the chassis of the imac all that it all factors in so I, I i appreciate where a lot of the cost goes but in terms of sort of bang for buck on hardware it you you, you do a lot better when you get just build a pc yeah but even with the mac pro i don't feel like even if you chuck all the money at it you still can't quite get there to what you, you can't to, not not with the trash can anyway no quite so even it would be nice to even if you had to pay more and pay over the odds for it to the tune of maybe two thousand dollars, you could still get there if you wanted to. If you wanted that machine that was up there with the highest end gaming rigs, so you could have that GPU performance. Um, yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, even if, even if I even if I were a gamer, I would consider a Mac Pro um, because I would want the Mac OS for my day to day sort of working environment because i rely on it so yep. heavily and all my toolings there um I, I would consider dual booting it into windows if i if i needed to play the next you know triple a titles on on the pc um but it, it'd be nice to have that have that headroom to go up and, and to configure a mac pro to essentially be a gaming pc i think yep. that'd be great no i agree and i think there's something to look at there as well um from apple's point of view sort of strategically with landing this modular mac pro whatever this product is going to end up being um there's something for them to think about in terms of where people are at and where where that market is overall i mean you've got the high-end high-end pro people that have, have got applications that are doing video effects they're doing very specific types of duties and that some of those are arguably the people who've carried on buying the sort of trash can mac pro as well um and their needs are one thing but i think you have this other set of users the people who may well have gone to a hackintosh in the meantime because they've, they've kind of got the technical skills to to take that on you know and those people i think cross over with this sort of gamer market as well um, and I also suspect there's, there's a massive overlap there with people who are trying things like VR and that end of stuff as well. Um, so it's perhaps something to think about in terms of landing the the new modular Mac Pro um, in terms of encouraging those people across. If the new Mac Pro is, you know, three or four thousand entry level and oh, by the way, you can actually change the ram and you can change the gpu then i think they'll have blown it you know it needs to be a bit of a no-brainer to sort of say okay i'm going to configure a pc up to the hilt and it's going to cost me i don't know what 1500 to 2000 yeah yeah that's kind of last time i built a pc i i think i went a bit overboard and it came to about 1500 ish yeah that was about seven years ago though (laughs) so i mean thanks to the exchange rates and everything at the moment i'm kind of using pounds and dollars interchangeably here as sort of guesstimates yeah they're not far (laughs) off now with sales tax and everything else but yeah so i think there's an argument here for the modular mac pro to actually have quite a relatively low entry level you know whether you're talking it's not the best of the GPU GPUs supplied with it. It's not the best of CPUs that supplied with it, but you've got the box, you know. So for, for for what we're talking, maybe around about the 2K mark, you've got the box, and out of the box, it's a reasonably good machine. 
But then if you want to stick the latest NVIDIA graphics card in, you can at your own cost afterwards, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars, whatever that is. Um, but you've got that option. So again, fully loaded, you're probably still going to end up talking about it being way over what you would pay for comparable PC hardware, but an entry level that kind of stops people leaving and making Hackintoshes um, or, you know, running a separate machine. Um, you think in kind think of where something. the iMacs naturally end in in their stock configurations, maybe the Mac Pro could start? I think a little bit of overlap. A little bit, Just okay. a little bit of overlap, yeah. Um, and I think that's especially interesting if you consider that they're going to be making their own monitors as well, their own displays. Again. <laughs> How much are they going to cost? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then you sort of start thinking, well, okay, you, you've got an entry level there that's not as much as the... the iMac and that then naturally pushes a person who who really wants that display or maybe they should just get an iMac yeah then the person who wants the fully loaded kind of I want a Mac Pro and I then want the Apple display well they're going to end up spending in 3000 with you or whatever to get there yeah because the display is however much else on top um and then logically your your kind of Hackintosh gamer who may not necessarily want to go all the way up to that sort of cost, well, okay, there's a very good box here. We can do this, and it works with your current display. Um, I can kind of see that sort of mark looking. So I think, I don't know, I, I think they need to be sort of 2000 or less, really, for the base model to, to really sort of say they've done it with this, you know? Um, and I think... That's bold. The, the sort of, <laughs> hey? That's going to be bold if they do that. 2000 yeah, I think that'd be quite a statement from them, really. I mean, what's the entry level now? $3,000. Looking, I'm just on Apple.com now. Yeah, $3,000. Yeah. And that's with the new 6-core that's been shifted down to be the entry level. Yeah. Um, so I'm guessing if I was to change it to UK... Bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> Mac... Mac Pro. Just change the sign. Just, just change the sign. Change your currency symbol. <laughs> what? Yeah, just do this easier, isn't it? Just do that. <laughs> yeah. I bet. I yeah, bet they do. Far off, are we really? Yeah, they have. <laughs> just change the currency. Really? Yeah, three thousand wow. pounds. Well, two nine nine nine. Um. Wow. But see, I think two thousand five hundred would be as low as they could possibly go. I would say. Um, Looking at the trash can, yeah. Uh, notice the joy I'm using that phrase now that I know a modular one's on its way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's worth noting that the trash can in the UK was 2,500 when it came out. Yeah, yeah um, it was. I think it's only because of uh, the weak pound and the whole Brexit thing um, and all of that nonsense that it's they've had to push the whole product range up. Um, so it was a good time to bought a Mac <laughs> a few months ago. I mean, that's a, that's a, a lot of money that's been added on there. It is. Yeah, another £500, that is... You've got to really, really want that specific machine for a specific task, I think. Yeah. Um. So, I, I don't know. I think where they land with, you know, the modular Mac Pro, it's going to be really interesting because I think there's an opportunity there for them to sort of claim a bit of um, of market back as well. Um, it's been interesting watching um, 
things play out on on Twitter as well. I've noticed um, Stephen Stroughton Smith. Oh yeah, I'm not sure if I've said his name correctly. He had a poll um, asking people whether they ran or use a Hackintosh. Um, so actually quite a high percentage of people. I think it was about 19, 20% of people who replied to his poll said that they had. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you're talking a very, very strong selection bias there. This is technical people on Twitter, people who are interested in the sort of things he posts about. Sure. Um, Nevertheless, that's a frightening number to Apple. Yeah, I'd have said so. Because those are all people who are stepping out of the, the ecosystem to a degree, certainly on the hardware level. Um, That's a message that the hardware isn't good enough, but we still like the is. software. That's kind of how I look yeah. at it. And that's how I would feel. Yeah. I mean, I love I uh, love Mac OS. Um, people used to say to me when I, I bought this um, iMac uh, in 2014, oh, you look, look at the PC hardware you could get for your money, and they sort of pointed me in different directions. Yeah. Like, that's fine, but I'm still stuck with Windows. So, you know, this whole <laughs> argument is you might as well not have it <laughs> unless I can yeah. get macOS running on, on what you're suggesting. You know, this conversation's over. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. Very, very similar for me. Um, and I think the only thing that's really sort of put me off, there's been a couple of factors. One is that I very much enjoy having my time and not maintaining a machine, uh, which one way or the other other always seems to happen with running a PC. Um, and the other is that the Hackintosh setups haven't always seemed to be that stable. You know, you're, you're one update away from sort of nuking your installation uh, because compatibility, not everything works every time. But again, judging from the replies that I saw to this poll on Twitter, that isn't so much of a thing these days. You know, the, the Hackintosh community is pretty strong. Um, and that actually people have just been running sort of pretty stock and just updating their Mac OS installation as and when, and it's been fine. So again, if I was Apple, I'd be looking at that and being slightly worried. It's sort of, you know, people are running their own hardware. Um, they're running Mac OS through whatever means in terms of getting it on there and that they're no longer paying for your stuff. Um, not in the, the same way as they would be if they were buying a whole Mac. Didn't um, Dan Benjamin do a Hackintosh method thing? Yeah. Recently. Yeah. Again, that's another warning sign to Apple, isn't it? When so, when someone like Dan puts out a site like that, it's kind of like there's obviously a need for this type of site to exist because of dissatisfaction. Um, yeah. Obviously not wanting to dwell um, on that too much now because they've said they're going to fix it. But, but, but yeah, I, I mean, it's hard for me not to kind of frame this news in, in those terms as well. I mean, I, I th- that's why I say I think that it's going to be interesting to see where they land with the sort of entry level, because I think they've got a big opportunity there to sort of prevent hackintoshing and this kind of shift away from the Mac. Um, so, yeah, if I, I would say quite strongly if it is over 2K for the entry level, then I think they've blown it in terms of of that end of stuff. And I think that will be a big shame. Um, I'm trying not to be too biased here. I know that I personally am not going to be able to lay down 3000 or whatever for a machine just to have it, you know, whereas if we're talking below 2k, I might start to be able to consider it, but 
I think I they'll know, be pushing every- you to an iMac config at that at that price point. I think that's probably reality call in there. Um, yeah. yeah, but like I say, if, if if part of the game here is to sort of prevent the hackintoshing being a really big ongoing deal, then I think they've got to get they've got to get back to that sort of entry level that that lets other lets people on that that I'm not a hundred percent sure or I'm doing other things. Yeah, you know, I'm playing games under Windows or whatever. They need to be able to let those guys in as well. Um. So, and I don't think the Mac Mini is is going to be anywhere within any of this. Um, I mean, there's a very small level of commentary on this announcement about the Mac Mini. Yeah, um, it was it was more like um, it's still a part of our lineup, but we're not talking about it today. Yeah, um, yeah, and that that that, and it's very consumer so, level as well, isn't it? Rather than pro level. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's where I'll see my little arm based Mac. You know, maybe maybe that's the uh, <laughs> still keeping the, the dream evolution. alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Overall, it, it it's it was a surprising week. It was a good week. Um, it was a shame that it had to get to this point for them to need to to do it. Um, but nevertheless, I don't, I don't think they had any other choice. They had to do something. They couldn't have I just kept so. quiet for another year or more. Again, you have to look at what they they said. It they said it won't be ready this year. This year, mm. that doesn't mean it'll be ready next year. It might be. I I think probably you know ninety percent will get something maybe a dub dub next year. Um, at least by way of seeing something, and then maybe the release would be in December or yeah the fall. Um, but yeah, what they they had to do something because they can't they can't sit there silently um, and then announce this Mac Pro after I think how agitated people are right now or were this yeah, time last it, week. It would have been fuel to the fire really to just bump the spec and not say anything. Yeah. Um, and I noticed on the Apple websites as well on the store, you know, when something is new, they put the, the tag <laughs> against it. Yes. Say new. They haven't done that with these Mac Pro bumps. Um, I think it is it's still just there as, as it was sort of pre the bump. Yeah, I suppose it's um, not technically new, is it? It's almost like they've no. just shifted it all down. Um, I think the 8-core is technically a new SKU. Um, yeah. But it's it's essentially like a build-to-order config um, that you could have made. So they've just kind of presented that now as, as, a, as a stock option. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Um, well, I, I think I'd that's know good, how many though. they sell of these in a day. <laughs> like today, how many people will click buy now on either one of those two Mac Pros on the site? Yeah, and I would love to talk to those people and say what made you do it. Not, not you know, not in an aggressive way, but like what what are your <laughs> needs? What 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 does that machine serve? What what's, yeah. what purpose does that machine serve for you? Because that would be a fascinating, fascinating insight to to find out. Because I mean, it might be that they they just don't know any of this is happening. Hmm. I mean, it obviously, we've got our ears to the ground and we follow this stuff and, you know, we sometimes get aggravated by this stuff, but some people probably don't really care. Um, no, and it's just a natural upgrade cycle or whatever, you know. The, yeah, they've got got an eight-year-old cheese grater Mac Pro, time for a new one. Let's go on Apple.com. What have they got? Oh, this looks cool. Click. <laughs> yep. And it's an apportioned business cost and that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we're not giving consumers enough credit for doing their own research because i think that's a big thing now that 
people away people can educate themselves about a product very very quickly on the internet yep. now um you know taking family members as an example they would always go to a, t- a local tv shop and talk to the members of staff and be completely led into what television they bought yep whereas now the first thing they do is go on to google uh, you know best 50 inch led tv review into google yep. and then they've chosen the tv they want and then they find the cheapest price online so you know that that shift um that's taken place i wouldn't be a that's kind of what makes me want to ask these people why 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 did you buy it what what was your need because my my gut is that sort of 90 percent of them at least would have researched this purchase sort yep. of reasonably well and therefore have discovered everything that's been going on uh, <laughs> maybe they didn't i don't know that would be an interesting one to know one thing i did i was um on the drive back from the airport yesterday i um while everyone else is asleep in the car, I put on um, ATP. And I thought Marco made a really interesting point, actually, uh, that's probably worth bringing up. Um, they, in the transcript I'm reading here, they said that the Mac Pro is a low, is a single digit percent of the market share of all Macs. Yeah. So we can take that to mean not between 9 and 1%. Uh, and Marco made the point that if it's just 1%, that is 200,000 Mac Pros per year. Still a hefty number. That's a staggering number. I couldn't believe yeah. that. Um, so let's just say, for the sake of argument, we take the base price of $3,000, multiply that by 200000 That's $600 million per year. That's at 1%. So it just goes to show, um, you know, we, we can say, oh, you know, so-and-so isn't a priority for Apple anymore because of iPhone or because of iPad or because of... Well, you know, in in years to come, maybe we'll be saying, "Oh, because the car's now the priority." Um, that's still a lot yeah. of money. Um, it is one percent. One percent of anything at Apple is a huge amount of money, um, and especially when you consider the Mac Pro. Probably people were likely to spec it up and spend more than three thousand dollars. So I don't know what the average purchase price is, but I'm guessing it's more than what the entry level base price is, which will probably yeah. push that number of six hundred million even higher. Couple that if they do release a new Mac Pro, that's going to stir the pot somewhat and hopefully encourage more people to, to jump onto that platform. Yeah. That could be a, a billion dollar a year business for them. And that's at 1%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I think next time we start accusing uh, Apple of not caring about a certain product category, even if it makes up 1%, uh, you know, we still, I think we need to think long and hard before we make that accusation. And that's only 1% of all Macs. That's not 1% of their entire revenue stream. No. Um, no, no, no. I mean, Macs is um, quite I a mean, small slice of the pie as it is of their entire revenue, and this is 1% of that. Yeah. Um, so, again, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be a higher percentage of the overall revenue that's coming from that 1%. It's going to be quite lopsided because of the nature of it, the price of them, and everything else. Um, yeah, I, I think it's... Um, it's, it's, oh. Sorry, Dave. I had something that I was going to say, and I completely <laughs> lost it as I started to say it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, did, uh, I, I was wondering. Um, yeah. Was um, this new monitor, whether that yep. would reignite any possibility of there being an external GPU in one of them? 
Not that mm. it would have much of a place in the context of a Mac Pro. But if you were to perhaps connect a MacBook or a MacBook uh, Pro 13-inch, whatever, to it, that does make me wonder if that's possibly going to come back. Because I, I thought there were some pretty strong signals that that was going to be a real product. Um, and and it yeah. ma- I think it makes a lot of sense at a, at a lot of levels, that, that kind of approach. If they, if they can kill the latency and... You know, get that side of things working well. That could be awesome. Um, could that just be uh, that product though? Could that just be an iMac running in a specific type of target display mode? I don't know. I really don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, do it, you know? It, uh, it, it kind of supports their vision of making thinner and thinner laptops. And then they could let you get by with the GPU that's in in the laptop when you're working portably. Yeah. Um, but then let's say I've got a few hours of intensive graphic design work to do or, or whatever, and I want to sit down at a proper desk and do that work. If I could plug in and then have a fairly hefty GPU in the back of my monitor take over, that that would be great, um, and I think in the uh, the transcript, I think one of the um, reporters asked Craig Federici if he had any thoughts about external display, uh, external displays, external graphics cards. Um, mm. I think he gave what was it he said? They stu- they they have their place or something to that nature. I think they have a place, um, and I just kind of read that and went, oh. What about that monitor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that's again. I think we're into sort of reading tea leaves if we're not careful. Yeah, in terms of analysing what they said, but um, yeah, it, it's it would be interesting if they went that route. It would open up a lot of other doors as well, especially if you could sort of use it with the you know the the MacBook, for example. Um, you know, you could start talking about some quite interesting configurations in terms of having a really light machine that that you can sort of take anywhere and then your desktop where you want to get, like you say, get some important work done that is very intensive. Um, you can just dock that machine and then carry on. Um, I'd love that. That that could be really quite cool. Um, but that might be counter to this sort of modular Mac Pro and that end of stuff as well. So yeah, I think they'd probably have to have two monitors, i.e., one with the graphics card and one without. Because if you're buying a Mac Pro that's already tricked out with the, you know, a huge GPU, you're, yep. not, you're not going to want to stick another five hundred dollars into extra into a monitor to have a GPU you're never going to use. Yep. So you'd almost have to have a with GPU and without, and that's when it starts getting into territory that I don't see Apple sort of getting into. I think yep. they're likely to make one monitor. And that's it. I'd say so, yeah. Um, I don't know what they're going to do about the price of this monitor because if you look at if you look at what's happened to the last um, cinema display, was that a thousand pounds? And similarly, a thousand dollars. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Um, that was one overpriced monitor. Like I say, maybe it is just the iMac. Maybe the iMac is the monitor in that case. How do you mean? Um, 
So if you imagine that you could take your current 5K iMac, or perhaps not your current, but a current yeah. 5K iMac, put it in target display mode um, so it can be used as a display for another machine. Um, and then that is naturally your 5K monitor that you can plug into your new modular Mac Pro next year. Hmm. Um, an expensive one. Yeah. Um, but Apple Apple branded and perhaps a natural route for people who want to upgrade off that, that iMac. I, th- I think, though, in, in the case of mine, I don't think I can. Mm. I think they killed target display mode with the first gen 5K iMac. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's what I mean when I said not perhaps with your, yeah. your particular model. Um, but yeah, it, it, we could see some interesting moves like that as well. I mean, that would all sort of tie into sort of upgrade patterns. You know, you've got the iMac, but then you want more power, for example. Um, and also sort of working with what they've got today rather than necessarily re-architecting something too far. Um, but again, I, I, I'm, I'm talking... I'm uh, completely up in the sky here and um, I don't know what the technicalities would be to really make that happen. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where all of this lands. Um, I mean, I sort of take the very cynical view um, in terms of, I think Apple's going to look at how Apple can make the most sort of money out of this situation as well. Sort of new displays and new Mac Pros, you know, I think getting the full setup as it were, on your desk with the Apple display, the modular Mac Pro, um, you're going to be looking at a pretty penny with that, really. It's going to be quite In my head, I've quite got between expensive. four and 5,000. If, if yeah. you want a well-configured Mac Pro, a new monitor. Um, do, they, do they even bundle a keyboard and a mouse these days? I don't think they do, do they? I'm not sure. I don't think they do. So you probably have to buy those as well. So that'll be another hundred and... 50 pounds probably uh, yeah more, more than that now actually thinking about it um yeah yeah so it starts <laughs> to get expensive quickly right yeah and, that, and that's before you decide oh i'd like a three monitor configuration yep because that's always been a bit of a dream of mine is to have three apple branded monitors kind of surrounding me <laughs> <laughs> connected to a map pro um but yeah we can all dream <laughs> i know that they acknowledged that software developers were Possibly one of their largest pro markets. Yeah. Um. Um, but equally, I think if we come back to the um, that Mac OS rumor that there was as well, um, it'd be interesting to see how that, that plays um, because that would mean we're potentially getting new machines next year, you know, new pro machines. Um and then what if if that rumor has any legs in terms of the the sort of mac mac os becoming much more like ios in terms of how apps are distributed mm-hmm. um that would to my mind that would be okay we're looking at landing that this wwdc in terms of announcements and then the transition to that that would actually put that ahead of these new machines mm. i i think so you think they might announce that at, at DubDub, the whole yeah, um, well not ARM, but the way the not ARM, but the the the, the Mac general App Store philosophy behind it, behind yeah, the rumor because that will rejuvenate the the Mac platform for development as well. And oh yeah, there's a whole another spin on it then, isn't there? I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. 
and then that comes in and essentially shores up the the Mac platform in terms of app development and people distributing software. Yeah. Yeah. The flagship machines are then updated next year. All of this really boosts the profile of the Mac overall, all over again for, for the whole public, for the whole world. You know, there is a flagship Pro machine. Um, the apps are a proper thing on the Mac, and it just then makes much more sense for consumers. You know, when they've, when they've bought their MacBook um, or whatever it is they are actually buying, you know, um, you can get apps just the same as you can get them on iOS. I saw um, a screenshot the other day of someone's dock and they mm. um, annotated it to highlight the apps that were actually written using sort of Cocoa and, you know, the, the official Apple APIs. <laughs> yep. Very, very few of them <laughs> were. Mm. Um, and an awful lot were used with um, with sort of web-to-app products, weren't they? Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like a shame so- to me. I think so, and I'm wondering if Apple are looking at that and sort of seeing, okay, they've lost a bit of ground there as well. You know, that again, that sort of points to a bit of decline on the platform. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, so I do. I, th- I think if there's any legs to that, that sort of previous macOS rumour, disregarding the ARM side of it, um, I think sort of said at the time when we discussed it you know what it meant for apps and the platform and for app developers was the sort of big deal for me um because that would be okay we're fixing the mac app store and we're making downloading software on the mac much much easier um it's not that hard today but the closer they get it to looking like ios the easier it is for everybody in terms of the sort of broader user base Mm. um so I think if we're going to see that, I actually think it could come in this year. Um, yeah, I mean, the timeline kind of makes sense when you put it forward like that. I, I, yeah. I hadn't even considered that. That's interesting. Um, and to me, as an indie dev, that then relates back and sort of says, well, well, hey, does this mean I can look at doing things like bundling between stores? You know, that would be awesome. I've got an iOS app and I've got a Mac app. Um they do broadly similar things and perhaps link together in some fashion. Um, can I give my existing iOS users a discount for buying the Mac version as well? You can't do that today. Um, it'd be brilliant to see that sort of stuff come in as well. You know, like you can do between TV apps and, and iOS apps um, to have that sort of interplay. Yeah. I haven't treated as equal members. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then it gets closer to an environment where a user buys an app on one platform and then potentially has it available on the other as well. And if you're talking about um, a subscription-based product, um, that that could make a lot of sense as well, you know? Yeah. I've got it on iOS, and and there it is for me on my Mac as well. Or coming at it from the other way, if if you were to buy something... Let's use Affinity Designer as, uh, as an example. I'm looking at the icon now on my dock. If I yep. were to pay the 40 or 50 pounds, I forget how much it is for that. It would be quite a nice added perk to get the iOS versions as well. That could be, that could maybe push some people to, to a purchase where otherwise they wouldn't have. Yeah. Or like you yeah, say, maybe, to show that maybe availability in the, in the store. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
because I don't know about you, but when I see stuff in the store and you can kind of see that there is a complement of things there with it, a uh, sort of mini ecosystem within that app, it does make it more attractive to me, you know, because it's like sort of, okay, well, I'm not just getting the one thing. Um, yeah, and it shows you're getting a product that, you know, that has, has been taken seriously. If they've made it on more yeah. than one platform, it's, it's not like a drive-by kind of uh, development of an app. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, again, I've got bias. I'd like to bring my video mixing app to the Mac um, in some fashion. And I'd actually really love to do it through the Mac App Store, just so it's, you know, really not a lot to think about in terms of distribution. Um I mean, I know you can go through other places and you can do it outside separately. And that's one of the beauties of the Mac. And you can take Apple's cut out of things and get more money and do things that way. But for me, as a solo dev, I'd love to be able to just push it up to to iTunes Connect, have it distribute through the Mac App Store and not really worry about any of that at all. Just the same as I do with the iOS dev. As as a solo developer, there's there's enough going through your mind without worrying about software distribution. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but with today's Mac App Store, I wouldn't do that. Um, I would be doing it separately, I think, um, because I don't think it's necessarily worth it in terms of the way the store is today. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a a jump between the topics, but new Mac Pros, renewed enthusiasm for the Mac, that potential rumor earlier on this year, I think the Mac App Store does need something doing about it anyway. It would be brilliant if we saw that this dub dub, um, and then you know, like I say, it sort of sets the scene then in terms of enthusiasm for the platform, um, making things easier for users in terms of accessing software and apps, um, and then next year we have the big sort of flagship update as well, which will have a halo effect onto the other Macs too. You know, as soon as that new modular Mac Pro is announced and it's taking up all of the news space and everything else. Um, there's a filter down when people look at that and they go, well, I can't afford that, but Macs are really cool. So I'll get that. And, you know, they come down the chain, but they still get a Mac. Um, again, as, as an indie developer, that's, that's kind of exciting. That says there's still sort of growth here. There's still, you know, a potential here. Whereas it has been sort of feeling like, well, hmm, do I put the effort into a Mac app? Because are they going to just converge things soon? And actually, should I just be focusing on iOS? You know, it has been a consideration of mine. Yeah, and, um, and at least from this week's uh, roundtable, we have answers to that. So we can kind of factor yeah. that in in terms of strategy as well, just for, yeah. our, for our own businesses. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think I said before, I'd sort of assess things and I was looking at a Mac version of my video mixing app sort of back end of this year. And I don't think my personal timeline's really changed. Um. And again, time-wise, we'll see whether I can actually hit that. Um, but again, looking at all this, I think that'd be great timing, you know, especially if it can then go into a renewed Mac app store, it's there and, you know, it can be part of this this potential wave that might be coming. All right, that just about wraps up this episode. Uh, before we go, Dave, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at davewood.uk for my blog, um, and you can find my applications at RoboHeads. That's RoboHead with a Z dot com. How about you, Dave? So you can find my apps. Uh, my first one, Armchair 
my remote control for Cody at armchair-remote.com. Um, my second latest app, Space Readers, um, to help kids read. You can find it at spacereaders.com. And now you can find my new web consulting business at root-digital.com. Brilliant. Catch you next week, Dave. Awesome.